This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Hi, and welcome to this week's installment of Body Talk. And today we have Doctor of Physical Therapy, Paul Mettler. Uh, I first met Paul at the International Consortium on Manual Therapies, and he had an approach to working with the fascial system that he calls DFR or dermofascial restoration. And I was really, really intrigued about this approach and what he had been developing over the last three, actually four decades. And I wanted to bring him on so he could tell you all about it. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. It's great to connect. Always great to connect. So <laughs> before we get into this particular type of therapy, uh, we were talking a little bit bef before we started recording here. And uh, I, I want you to share with the audience what you were sharing with me because I was pleasantly surprised. But as a physical therapist, Paul became very intrigued, if not almost obsessed with pain and why we have pain and what causes pain, which is not always the norm for physical therapists, is it? No, it's not. In fact, in uh, 1980, when I was in my first year of physical therapy school, we had to write a paper. And one of the, one of the topics that I chose to write on was pain, the Melzack-Wall theory of pain. And I was kind of struck because I thought, you know, here we are physical therapists and we deal with pain every day. But I was the only one in the whole class that picked that topic. So, I, you know, that tells you that I have a strong interest in, in not only understanding pain, but trying to do things about, yeah. uh, you know, improving. So it, it was there from the beginning. So you said that was the, the, the Mel Walzak? The Melzak and Wall. Melzak and Wall. And, wall. and yeah, what is gate, that exactly? It's called the gate control theory. Oh, right, 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 right. It was right, one right. of the first theories for pain out there where mm -hmm. there's. Yeah. Yeah. And for those in the audience who may not be familiar with the gate theory, I'm sure almost everybody's heard of it, but why don't you just give a quick uh, synopsis of what that is? Yeah. Basically, it's just that at the dorsal, uh, in dorsal horn, when, when you send in certain inputs, it kind of masks the, the pain or it blocks the pain signal, depending on what inputs you're putting in. And so it, it changes your perception of pain uh, in the spinal cord, which then gets transmitted up to the cranium, of course, up to the cortex. So how'd that dissertation work out? Uh, it was great. I got, I got an A on the paper, so I, I'll take it. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So you got an A on your dissertation. You're starting out as a young PT. Uh, what, what happens next for you in the big picture? Um, well, I, I guess uh, I worked in an outpatient uh, clinic, and when I was working in this clinic, I, I started experimenting and learning about other treatments that we didn't learn about in school. And mm -hmm. one of them was myofascial release. Okay, like in and the John Barnes uh, yeah, model of myofascial release, 1980s okay. myofascial release. And so I had. I did a fair amount of studying and training with that. And I had this patient uh, came in, she had this debilitating MSK pain. And I, I didn't, 
I tried everything. I tried therapeutic exercise, all the different types of manual therapies that I had learned, the myofascial release. I spent two hours working on her with just hands-on myofascial release. And wow. she told me when I finished, she said, that's the first time that I've experienced any pain relief. She said, I feel so much better. And I thought, wow, this stuff really works. It's great. <laughs> okay. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. And so uh, two days later, she came back and she said, I got some disappointing news. My pain's all back. 100% back. I was 100% back. And I, and I thought, my gosh, I put all my energies, all my training into helping this person. And I haven't been able to help her pain at all. And so I was just feeling very distraught. And I bowed my head and I prayed to God. I said, God, help me find a way to help these people who have these horrible musculoskeletal pains. And within about a period of two years, I was working on, I had begun specializing in headaches and jaw pain patients. Mm -hmm. And when you would do that, you would use finger cuts on your right, fingers right. to reach mm -hmm. in the mouth and massage the muscles, right? Yep, yep. Okay, so I had my eyes closed. I, I, I go full working. glove myself, but yeah, that's good. yeah. yeah. I, I had my eyes closed and I was had my finger in her mouth and I was massaging the muscle and all of a sudden she told me she felt like this needle or this sharp prickling touching her temple. And I, I couldn't understand what had happened. And what I realized is that I gloved my other hand and that finger caught on the other hand touched down on her temple and she was feeling a sharp pain when, when I would push that skin a certain direction. Yeah, okay. With that sharp pain. And I was like, that's crazy. I don't understand that. So, so, so you've got, you've got one finger on the outside near the temple and the other side in the upper part of the jaw, kind of at an angle to the finger on the outside. Just to exactly. Clear. Yeah. Okay. In behind the back molars up okay. there. Where the, yeah. The pterygoid recesses. Yep. And so when, uh, and, and I thought, well, that's really crazy that she would get that sharp pain. Because we were taught in school, when you're creating pain, you know, that's probably not a good thing. Right. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, should I do this or shouldn't I? But I started moving my finger in different directions and she would get really sharp pain. So I did that for about four or five minutes. And all of a sudden she could open her jaw like four or five millimeters further. And I was like, I don't understand that. And I, and I had tried all kinds of different, you know, modalities manipulation and stuff to get her jaw to open. It wasn't opening. So I just started experimenting on myself as mm. well as on my patients with this technique of using these finger cuts and trying to identify areas where they might feel this sharp like sensation. In so we're talking, so in this case, it was all mostly people with TMJ and other jaw cranial yeah. related issues. Yeah, okay. most of them, yeah. Mm -hmm. But then my practice started expanding as I was getting better results. I started getting a lot of word of mouth and I, I started seeing all kinds of MSK diagnosis. And, and I was, and uh, every time when I would test them with these finger cuts, one on one hand, one on the other, and I would do a bi-directional tensioning so that they're going in opposite directions. Mm -hmm. So you're not pressing down on the skin, you're lightly gripping on the skin, avoiding compression, and tractioning the skin 
in different directions, multi-directionally. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, there shouldn't be any sensation at all. Right. They should the, just feel pressure. Right. Little pressure, maybe a tiny pull. That's it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But if there's a stiffness that's developed in the in the skin or in the, the subcuticus tissues underneath or the fascial myofascial system, it changes and they feel like this kind of a sharp needle sticky like feeling like you're mm-hmm. picking them with your fingernails or something. And this and is whether you're on the temple or the deltoid it or the quadriceps. Any, anywhere their skin, anywhere mm-hmm. their skin. And what was interesting was that most of the time was where they were complaining of pain or where they had some MSK issues. Mm-hmm. And as I started doing this, I mean, the results of my practice just dramatically changed. And what I realized is that by tensioning the skin like that, if, if you manipulate it in the right ways with tension and torsion, you can create enormous effects on the tissue below the skin. So and, this, yeah. this makes me think a little bit of the research from Helen Langevin with uh, acupuncture needles. And there's this phenomenon reported by the acupuncturists themselves who say, when I put the needles in and I twist them a little bit, I almost feel like there's a grip and a pull coming from the inside, drawing the needle deeper into the body. And she actually was able to image individual collagen fibers wrapping around the needle in that level, that layer of the subcuties uh, that were doing exactly that, like spaghetti winding around a fork was how she termed that. This sounds very similar to me to what you're saying. I I think um, the the difference is that uh, with the, I I imagine when you're twisting the needle, you're getting some skin movement too. And if you, I don't know if you've been uh, recently, I, I, in the June, uh, anatomy scapes with uh, Rochelle and uh, Nicole. Yes, yes. Yeah. They did they a whole the, thing on the subcuties. They had the whole thing on the subcuties beautifully done. Mm-hmm. And um, and I learned that from, from your previous podcast to, to get <laughs> well, connected with them. So that yeah, was they're, great. Uh, they're awesome. Yeah. And um, so, but if you think about the architecture of the skin and then those those subcuticus fibers that drop down deep mm-hmm. from the skin all the way down to the myofascial tissues. You can see how if you tension the skin, it's almost like, think about like if the skin was actually the layer of the earth and you, okay. had, a, and you had a tree and you had the roots of the tree, you know, going down deep in underneath underneath and so through the earth into the mantle which would be like the the myofascial tissue the the deeper and so it's all interconnected and when you tension the skin on the top it moves those roots below and that's that's what's happening and you can create enormous amounts of torsion and rotational movement and and shear forces just by lightly tractioning on the skin. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I I have to be honest to the listeners here. You had sent me some videos of this, and and my my first response to many things is initial skepticism. 
that's just the scientific part of my training going, well, hmm, let me let me see here uh, before I get too excited. And yeah. I watched treatment after treatment and I heard testimonial after testimonial. And I realized you had decades of this material. And I went, wow, this, this is really something. This is actually between the anatomical science of the way the subcutis and the uh, superficial and uh, deeper adipose layers interact with the the deeper myofascial level. Uh, We've got that. Uh, And we have that poetic notion that when you, you know, touch the surface, you stir the depths. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was seeing in your work and why I wanted to talk to you some more about it. So, so you've got, you, you've got them on a, as you said, bilateral tension and, and you're kind of working that tension so you can replicate that pain feeling that they have. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. then what do you do then? You've talked about torsion and tension, but, yeah. but how would, since, since we can't see it, how would you explain that? to the Yeah. Listener? That, that's the, was the, you know, the ICMT conference was, was excellent and, and it was done, you know, virtually it would have been so much better if we could have actually put our hands on people. Yeah. And, and that, that is going to happen. In then you would conference. understand, you'd understand what I'm trying to convey, mm-hmm. but, I'll do the best I can. Okay, so when, first of all, when you tension the skin bidirectionally with the finger cups, you do not want to press down at all because if you press down, you diminish the effects. And why would I be wearing finger cuts as opposed to just using my hands? Because they, because it, there's a uh, uh, um, magnitude difference between using your fingers and using the finger cuts. Because if okay. you think of it like a suction cup, okay. okay if, if the finger cuts create a suction cup, so you can just pull the tissue apart without pressing down. Ah, okay. All right. Okay? That tracks. Okay. Yes. And because all that stuff's connected, all the, you know, all those soft tissues are interconnected, you create movement in all that tissue. You create movement from the skin all the way down to the deep fascia and even the muscle. And I saw movement on my high-frequency shear wave ultrasounds at four centimeters. Wow. Okay, so that's wow. like two inches deep. Yeah. And it's not just a little movement. It's crazy amounts of movement. And when you, if you just tension the skin, you know, bidirectionally, laterally, without torsion, there's a much different look on the high-frequency ultrasound. Mm. And when you actually twist it, and when you twist it, you create so much more shear force. And the patients will actually tell you that they're feeling a lot more of those pins and needles or stinging mm-hmm. or warming sensations. And that's what you want because that's what's creating transformation in the tissue. When you create those strong sensations, there's actually something happening biomechanically and from a mechanotransduction standpoint that doesn't happen if you just compress down on yeah okay Mm -hmm. so so and that's what i and and the other thing is when you tension like that where the areas of restriction are or the densification in the dermis and the fascia Mm -hmm. it actually looks on the skin surface like a leather 
rubber band. I mean, it actually has a different appearance than when the tissue has normal elasticity. And that's and what I noticed on your videos. And, and it had a white look to it. A very white look. Yeah. And, it, and, and once we start to release it and restore the health to it, it changes from white to pink. Yes, or when brown that, or whatever, but there's there's yeah, a vascularization, whatever, whatever there's a vascularization happening yeah, there. And exactly. that that's the other thing that I went, whoa, this is this is some kind of magic. Well, it it, it seems like magic, but it's all science. Mm-hmm. It's science, it's oh, biology. Science is magic that works. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, exactly. It's all based on, on the biological mm-hmm. sciences and just uh, an artistic way of, of you know stretching the tissue and not traumatizing. Yes. So when we, when we actually, you know, release the tissue, there's intense stinging, strong, burning, warm sensations, but there's never any bruising. There's never any trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's the miracle. I, I think it is so vital to not re-traumatize traumatized area when you're trying to help people heal. Body Talk will return after the break. And now a brief message from me. If you're still listening, I'm guessing you enjoy this show. And if you value this show, I hope you'll consider supporting it any way that you can. One way to do this is to join my Patreon page, which you can do for less than a cup of coffee a month at patreon.com backslash body talk radio. Leaving a positive rating or review wherever you get your podcasts is another huge way to support the show. And those ratings make a bigger impact than you might realize. And last, and I'm sure a lot of you are already doing this, please share the show with your friends, family, colleagues, anybody that you think is appropriate. This podcast is pretty much a one-man band. I created it because it fills a need and I keep doing it because I love it. And if you love it, or even just like it a lot, please support the show in whatever way makes sense for you. And now, back to our episode. I love the fact that this story was born from a lack of success. I rarely hear people talk about that, but that is often for me personally the greatest source of inspiration to try to dig deeper and and figure things out uh, even more than I thought I had them already figured out. So how long did it take you to begin to develop this and realize there was a whole potential system here that could yeah, be actualized a, throughout the body? Uh, that's a great question, David. You know, uh, like I said, I started just, just with on all my patients, testing them to see if they even had this kind of response first. And then when I started, I, I studied uh, the connective tissue massage J-stroke, which is a, a British uh, technique for okay i've heard uh, of that but i'm not familiar with it yeah it's a it's a british technique for like reflex uh responses on the skin because i knew there was something going on in the skin so i wanted to study and understand the skin more and that's why i got into that and then i wrote a paper and initially the technique was called the meta release technique okay and i published i published a paper in the physical therapy today in january of 94 95 it was called the metal release technique of new manual therapy. And then uh, I started doing some presentations locally with the doctor. So that was about two year time period, David, yep. that it took me to kind of refine things 
and feel like I was in a position where I could actually start telling other people about it and seeing how they would, you know, receive it. And I had a doctor, uh, a physi, uh, a doctor of uh, physiatry, mm-hmm. and and I worked closely with him, and he was seeing results that he had never seen before. And he said, "I want to see what you're doing." <laughs> so he came over, mm-hmm. and I did a course for him. I put a course together and showed him what I was doing. And about a week afterwards, he sent me this this note, and I have it here in front of me. It says. I believe MRT is destined to become one of the most important armaments we will have in dealing with difficult soft tissue slash muscular problems. Perhaps most impressive is the possible application to a wide variety of patients with both acute and chronic problems. And I videoed patients. I mean, he, he got me so inspired based on those comments. Mm, yeah, that I I started um, well. First of all, I started telling my fellow colleagues about the results I was getting, and I could see the disbelief in their eyes. Oh yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, and it, I had a hard time believing. It, to be yeah, honest, the first time I, I saw it, I had a hard time believing it. I'm right there with you, and I liked you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so what I did was I bought a video camera. Mm-hmm. And I started doing, I, I was getting complicated MSK neuro, uh, neuromuscular cases. Right. These were patients usually that had been through all, a lot of other therapies and to the physiatrist and to mm-hmm. a lot of, I mean, they were not responding. And when they came to my clinic and they started responding, I thought, well, now the only way I'm going to be able to show what's happening is the video. So I would video their cases when they came in. I would have them tell their case history. I would show what I was finding from a functional standpoint and mm-hmm. from a hands-on examination standpoint. And then I would show myself releasing the restrictions and then telling their story afterwards. And it was crazy what I was hearing. And I would go back to my house and I'd put them in a in the VHS player and I would play them back. And I was like, did that really happen? How come yeah. that happened? I, I just couldn't understand how it could happen. Mm-hmm. And I kept doing more and more of it and it kept getting better and better. And this was, this was across the board, right? It wasn't just like certain conditions, but all kinds of conditions, some very regional and some much more global, right? Well, well David, that's what's so profound about what this, uh, what Dr. Schmucker said about the, uh, you know, perhaps the most impressive thing is the possible wide application to mm-hmm. both acute and chronic. And he was right. And over the past 30 years, I've done hundreds and hundreds of patient cases on video that will prove that that's the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he nailed it. Well, see, it's fantastic that you've got that documentation because that that's something I, you know, my methods are different than your methods, but I'm... I'm a magpie. I'm always happy to bring in new methods because different things do different things. To quote someone you mentioned earlier, that would be Rochelle Clausen. Um, and yeah. and and different approaches work different for different people as long as it fits into that foundational understanding of the structure uh, of the body and you know my particular lens on that that seems to work. But 
you know, I did not make the time to do that kind of documentation for the last 10 years working at UPMC, 12 years working at the University of Pittsburgh uh, in the way that you have. So I have a little bit of research envy here, but in the, in the best, <laughs> of pos- best of possible ways. And I have to tell you, that's, that's what really made me sit up and take notice is this sheer volume of yeah, it, cases it, that you've recorded. Growth. I mean, yeah, if you go into my DFRCE online course, you can see I've got all these videos in there, starting with the head, going all the way to the bottom of the toes. And every case, all kinds of diagnostic cases, and it's all real time. I mean, it was, it's real, actually happened. It happened in my practice. Mm-hmm. So there's like over 90 videos there. So are, so, so you're teaching this now? It's an online course? You're, uh, how, do, how does that work? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I, I, you know, I had a very busy clinic practice, so I didn't. Let's practice. be reasonable. The last two years for, you know, in-person hands-on teaching have been rough. So yeah. uh, we're, we're not going to count that as, as part of the, yeah. uh, what you're doing. Well, what I had done is I trained the therapist that worked at the Metler Center in Champaign. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be Champaign, that, Illinois. So that was the extent of the training uh, up until the pandemic, which I, I sold my practice during the pandemic. And now I've got time to work on this CE. And mm-hmm. so I put together, I put together an online CE that uh, is uh, available. It's got six credit hours. It's it's uh, accredited in the state of Illinois. And then there's an eight-hour accredited for physical therapists in the state of yeah, Illinois. Yeah, physical therapist. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and then there's uh, eight hours of hands-on accredited uh, training. And uh, with the pandemic, it's just kind of put a kibosh on anybody wanting to do hands-on training. <laughs> it just has. I'm sorry. No, no, I know. I had so many courses scheduled a lot of them outside of the United States in 2020 and then they got rescheduled for 2021 and now they're, they're just, they're just gone. They're just gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really too bad. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and what's weird is the, and it was, I want to ask was the same for you, but I continued to work throughout 2020 and 2021 with patients. Yeah. Patients. Yeah. Yeah. We, we yeah. took the precautions it's and we just not that we didn't have patients. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think in physical therapy, it's almost really kind of disturbing because the, the uh, reimbursement models are, are changing to almost discourage hands-on uh, types of treatment as a, and in preferential prevent preferential mm-hmm. uh, for uh, exercise based uh, treatments. And okay, I want to pick your brain about why why you think that's happening because I had a I had a friend in sports medicine who would send me people. He would say, "I'm only allowed to do one unit." So, for those of you not familiar with the insurance model, one unit is about 15 minutes. Uh, I can only do one unit of hands-on, and this person needs more than one unit. So, I'm going to send them to you because you're cash only, and you can do whatever you want. and I was just astonished Isn't that, that astonishing? he didn't have more autonomy over using his judgment on what that particular patient needed. Why do you suppose it's moving away from the hands-on and more towards the exercise? 
Well, I think some of it is the manual therapies uh, that they've studied have shown uh, short-term uh, benefits at times, but not very consistently. And uh, I think that uh, exercise is actually, uh, you know, they do comparisons. They do like manual therapy and exercise or exercise by itself. Mm -hmm. And they've not seen that big a difference. When they, do they have a group? Do they have a group where they've done manual therapy and exercise? Because I think yes. one catalyzes the other. They do. Yeah, they do. And they don't see that there's there's uh, at least the studies that have been done mm -hmm. are proving are proving that there's that much more benefit when you add the manual therapy. Now, do you the think these, do you think these were high quality studies? Um, I I think. There's probably some, some, uh, I can't comment on that. I don't know for sure, but I just okay, know that's, that that's what's, uh, that's been what's being put out there. And, yeah. and so, so a lot of it is in, insurance uh, reimbursement driven. Yeah, and, and that's a good news for you guys because you love to put your hands on people and you know people need it. Yeah. And, uh, so the more, the, the less that physical therapy does it, and the more you guys are going to have patients to do it on because <laughs> you know they need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for finding the upside of that. Yeah. So, so if people want to find out more about uh, DFR and how they can learn it, what's, what's the first next step they can do? Uh, probably just to go to the dfrtherapy.com website. Okay, we'll put that There's, in the show notes. Yeah, there are ways to enroll into the DFR therapy course uh, on that website. Mm -hmm. okay. So I can give you that link too if you, yep. if you want. Yeah, we'll, we'll put all those in the show notes. Thanks, Paul. But I have on that, uh, and I, I offered that at the ICMT to, to uh, have... Uh, you know, free access to that. Uh, I really felt like the ICMT was an excellent interprofessional uh, program. It was, and, it was. And I, I just couldn't believe that, you know, you could get uh, a cross section of professionals together and there was absolutely no animosity. I know. No, no, I mean, it was all about the betterment of healthcare. Yeah. But, you know, the, the thing that, because you kind of came in is uh, a participant, but we spent, and when I say we, I mean the people in the working groups, executive committee, two years building the foundation and the infrastructure to create an experience where that would be the case. We didn't know if it was going to be successful or not, that everybody would get along and play nice, but we thought if we create the right environment for it, it'll happen. Yeah. So it's really great to hear you say that. Yeah, no, I, I think it was a huge success in that regard. It was excellent. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, on the website, uh, yeah, I, you, you, all this history, all this stuff is on there. Uh, cases of, of scar tissue and all, there's all kinds of different cases on there. Um, and then in the CE, I have it broken down into the, the history of the DFR. Plus, there's a section in there that's just on the clinical research that we've done over the past 30 years. And we've, we've started with, uh, you know, just putting like skin stamps, like little gridded ink stamps mm -hmm. on the skin. 
because we could see that the elasticity qualities of the skin were changing. And so I wanted to be able to observe that. And by putting an ink stamp on, I could stretch the skin in different directions. And I could see where it was changing those little squares in different shapes. Yeah, and so, that's a good uh, way to do that. So that was one of the first objective ways that I tried it. Then I also theorized that because the skin is stiff and the subcuticus tissues are stiff, that's where a lot of lymphatics and circulatory system is. So the temperatures in those areas should be lower. And I got these uh, liquid crystal thermography plates and I put them on the body and where the adhesions were, the temperatures were lower by at least one to two degrees centigrade. Wow. Yeah. And you can see it. I got a lot of these on, on the, on the, uh, on the BFRC website. Um, and then when we would treat it, you could see a normalization of those, those temperatures. And so that was the, the second objective thing that I did. And then I, I got into looking at, uh, uh, it's called the microbioscopy. Mm. It's, uh, it was, that was, in the, that was in like the, the early 2000s, but that was a way to study the, the skin and study the actual uh, like stiffness and circulation that was happening in the skin. And so I, I did that and then we progressed. I, did a, I wrote a study for the NIH uh, for, on whiplash because mm -hmm. we were getting such great results with whiplash. And then we, we got into high-frequency shear wave uh, ultrasound studying actual stiffness values of the tissue in the dermis as well as in the fascia, uh, the subcutaneous fascia and the, the deeper fascia mm -hmm. and muscle. Yeah, so I have a strong interest in trying to objectify uh, what it is that we yeah, are. Yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, we know it's working, but let's figure out why it's working and what the mechanisms are. And then the better we can research it, define it and, and continue to refine the process and manipulation thereof. Exactly. You know, Dr. Langeman, um, you know, I just loved her keynote address. That was just fantastic. Uh, at the ICMT. Yeah. And, uh, she, she's an inspiration. She has this, this, uh, statement that she's put out and I got it here in front of me and I think it's really interesting. So Dr. Langevin said, uh, when pain after an injury lasts more than three months, patients are often told the tissues have healed and the brain is responsible for the ongoing pain. But have the tissues healed and what tissues are we talking about? One of the reasons low back pain is so difficult to manage may be that we are not paying enough attention to structural restrictions of connective tissue that can impair muscle function over time. And I think that, you know, she's right on the money. From my experience of 30 uh, years of clinical observation and research, I think that there's enormous amounts of peripheral structural in injury and change that has occurred that we are not identifying. I am in absolute agreement with you from my two decades of that same kind of observations and interventions and seeing the results. Um, I, 
I have a bit of a bone to pick with the pain is in the brain people. I really do. Not that that doesn't happen. Right. But but it's not it's not all one thing or all another thing. No. No, they happen together. But the thing is, if you if you don't address the inputs that yes. are creating creating the pain, you it's it, I mean, yeah, you can probably uh, you know uh, self talk yourself and decrease pain, but it doesn't eliminate the problem. No, no, you know. So that's that's where I struggle, and I, I think that with uh, high frequency ultrasound we're going to be able to identify these invisible areas of pain that are contributing to these nociceptors that are contributing to, uh, you know, the pain that patients have been experiencing in ways we haven't even begun to understand. Mm-hmm. So is that your next frontier being able to more accurately uh, image these areas with high frequency ultrasound? Yes, it is. Yes, I, I would like to do, uh, I want to do, I am doing a lot of uh, imaging uh, before and after the DFR therapy that we are doing. Mm-hmm. And we see enormous changes in the tissue. I mean, I think you saw in the one uh, poster that I had at the ICMT, how, how much movement happens in those uh, myofascial tissues. I did. It was astonishing. And, and think about, you know, you're, you're impacting all, a, lot, all, a lot of collagenous tissues that their ECMs are not healthy because they're stiff. Everything mm-hmm. is kind of glued together. The hy- hyaluronin levels are reduced because the tissues aren't sliding and gliding. And you can see a lot of these 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 areas in the muscle and in the subcuticus area that look different when the muscle is healthy versus when it's stiff. You cannot see it very clearly. Yeah. And you've got some examples of this on your website also? Uh, Let's see. I I have it on the DFR therapy uh, in the the CE course. Okay. Okay. I don't know that I have it on the website yet, but I could put some on there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, yeah. just asking. So I, I, I like to make sure uh, the listeners who are going to go deeper into this have uh, the correct expectations before they do. Uh, Paul, before we wrap it up today, is there any other area or avenue we didn't explore that you're really excited to talk about? No, I just think that, um, you know, the, 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 the one thing that we need to really focus on is the objective, and, and Dr. Langevin kind of alluded to this, how we need to have our, our treatment standardized so that we, we, we can put, uh, you know, we, can, we know how much force or how much strain we're putting on the tissues, what direction are we putting the forces on the tissues, and so we can measure what we're doing and that way it can be repeated and that can be done, you know, in a, in a scientific study. Um, because if you don't do that, you, you can't quantify. And you, no, have you, can't, to quantify. you can't. And at the same time, standardization can be 
kind of a scary or intimidating word for some therapists uh, because people don't come in standardizations. So, you know, so I'm curious about your thoughts about this because, you know, I would love to know myself, okay, how many Newtons am I actually using when I put this kind of force here versus this kind of force there? And, and we're getting to the point where we can actually actualize that now. And I think that's great. But uh, we've all had clients, patients who respond much more fully to a lighter touch versus a heavier touch. And by heavy, I don't mean pain, but there are, there are some people who their the way their nervous system is wired respond differently. And, and sometimes within the same person, there's an area that needs more force. Whereas in another area, it seems less force gets the job done. So that's always a question I have is uh, I'm all for standardizing things so that we can study them, but then there's the actual application and what works for the individual. So I'm curious about your thoughts about that. Yeah, well, that's one of the things about the therapy that I'm doing is there's so much objectivity because when you when you find these areas of these bands that you, you've seen, mm -hmm. uh, you, you can actually tension those and you can tension them just a little bit and they won't feel anything. Yeah, no, there's not a lot of, but what, I, what little bit I've tried, yeah. Yeah, and if you put enough tension on, where the stiffness is, they start to feel either that sharp feeling or the warming feeling. Right. That can be measured. You can measure how much outward force you're needing to apply to create mm -hmm. that response. And then you can also see what's happening where when you put the ultrasound transducer head between the fingers and you're stretching, you can see what's happening below. So you can get a lot of objective information uh, mm -hmm. that, that, you know, we, we just couldn't do before because no, no, that's that. Yeah. And if we go back 50 yeah. years, we didn't have MRIs either. No, <laughs> you know, no, so all this, all this technology continues to improve yeah, our ability to understand the things that we know work. Although it's funny listening to you describe that, uh, which gets me more excited again. Um, I just came up with an idea for um, minimally invasive therapies. <laughs> minimally invasive, yeah. Yeah, like there's minimally invasive surgeries, uh, yeah, minimally yeah. invasive manual therapies. Yeah. Which is what, what you're describing, which I think is wonderful. Yeah. And, then, you know, I've had patients say that. They're, it's like you're doing surgery without any bleeding. Yeah. You know, you're just, you're just reorganizing the tissue and creating health to the tissue without traumatizing it. Mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. they can feel it while it's being done. I mean, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's, yeah, that's really, uh, uh, I think that's, that's the step we need to get to. We need to get to looking at the superficial tissues in a way we haven't uh, examined them. We've been looking deep. We've been looking at, at the muscles and the deep fascia and all those things. And they're important. There's no doubt they're important. Yeah. But if you think about where all the nerve endings are, uh, the majority of the nerve endings and the majority of the lymphatics, they're, they're superficial. And so they're, you heard, you heard it here first from Paul Mettler, deep down or shallow. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Deep down is important too. 
Yeah. No, we I job's important too. We get there. <laughs> with the, with the, that's the thing with the DFR therapy. We're able to start mm -hmm. superficial, mm -hmm. and as those layers free up, it progressively goes deeper. So it gets all of those layers all yeah. at one time. Mm -hmm. So that's the and once it's once it's all able to move the way it's supposed to, there's no sensation. All the patient feels is pressure. Mm -hmm. so that's fantastic. I, 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 the thing I like about you, Paul, is once I got to take a look at what you were doing and look at some of those poster presentations is you made me rethink everything that I thought I knew in the best possible way. Great. Yeah, and that's uh, that's so rare, I would, and I salute you for that. I would love to do a demo on you, and so you can really feel uh, what it is that I'm talking about. Because once mm -hmm. you feel it, once you feel it and experience it, it's a whole nother level of understanding. Yeah, and that's and that's what's always spoken to me over the years. And what I was going to choose to learn next is my own experience of like, oh my god, I need that. Oh my god, I need to learn that. You know, and hey, you're, I'm in Pittsburgh. You're in Chicago. That's like six hours. We just yeah. need to make it happen. We just need to make That's it happen. Right. Are you going to the fashion? Yes, Congress I actually am doing an oral presentation. Well, the, I'll see uh, you there. I'll see you there, and we'll see what, yeah. what good trouble we can get into. Yep, sounds great. All right, hey, I'll see you in September. All right, thanks for okay. stopping by, ladies and gentlemen. All the information we talked about will be in the show notes. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Body Talk with David Lasondak. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks a lot, David. Thank you for listening to this episode of Body Talk with David Lasondek. I'm David Lasondek, structural integrator, fascia specialist, author, podcaster, all those things. Hey, uh, just a reminder, if you like the show, please support it. Leave a rating, leave a review, become a patron at patreon.com backslash body talk radio. If you want to get in touch with me about the show, you can find me on all the social media platforms. And you can also email me at bodytalkdavid at gmail.com. The music that you hear, as always, is by David and the Disasters. See you next time on Body Talk with David Lasondak.